Hi, my name is Joshua David, and I am one of the pastors of Upper Room Church, uh, taking care of Upper Room India. And it's a great honor today to be here. You know, this morning I got to share the word in Upper Room Dallas, and I spoke about what Paul helped the Church of Colossians to clarify about the foundation of Jesus Christ being enough. Many a times in our life we struggle with whether I am good enough for God and we fail to see the way God looks at us. So in this podcast, you're going to discover how Father God looks at you and He's never going to change His mind upon you. So enjoy it as you listen to it and believe it. You know, people believe to receive, but I want to tell you, believe to become in Jesus' name. Amen. Such an honor, man. I said, we are doing it for Jesus. Let's do it better. In Jesus' name. Yay! Hallelujah! Amen, amen, amen. Please be seated. I'm so happy to see Robin today in the house. Robin, you're welcome. Yay! We have Daniel. Where's Daniel gone? I saw Daniel. Oh, all right. Welcome, welcome to the house of the Lord. It's so amazing, you know, when... We as a family gather together and celebrate Jesus. All differences, all pain, all, you know, everything that has worked against us just diminishes. And that's the beauty of coming together as brothers and sisters to celebrate what Jesus has done. Hallelujah. You know, this evening, I just want to share briefly about What Paul writes to Colossians, this morning, if you were there, you have already heard this message, but there may be some things that Holy Spirit would give specifically for this evening service. But you know what? Paul was doing ministry, and when Paul was doing ministry, he raised up many sons and daughters. One of his spiritual sons was Ephaphras. And this Ephaphras, when he gave his life to Jesus Christ, when he heard the gospel from the Paul, he had an understanding of the grace of God, the new covenant, and he entered into a city called Colossae, and he pioneered a church in that land. All Gentiles were there. They were not Jewish people. They were non-Jew people who heard the gospel for the first time in their life, and they, they responded to the gospel by faith in Jesus Christ. They put their heart, their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, great things were happening in that church. People were excited about Jesus Christ. You know, they were growing in faith. And just in first 20 to 30 years, when Jesus was ascended on heaven, we all know that he died on Good Friday, then he rose up, you know, on Resurrection Day. And for 50 days later, you know, we know that Pentecost happened before that Jesus was rose up. So what, what we begin to discover is that within 20 to 30 years of time, Church grew exponentially in that neighborhood. So gospel went into Asia Minor. Gospel entered into the city of Colossae. And when gospel entered into that city of Colossae, church was doing great, but somehow some people from, you know, who were people who, who followed Judaism as their religion, they had heard gospel, they had given their life to Christ, but then there was something in them that did not let go of the old practices and old ways. 
So what they started doing was they started mixing the old covenant and the new covenant. They started mixing the law and the grace. And they started doing it together. Well, Jesus had already warned about it. And Jesus had said that nobody takes the new wine and put it in old wineskin. If you put them all together, it will be destroyed. Jesus had already taught them about it, but they were so caught up with what they thought was right that they could not implement it rightly. So they held on to their belief system and yet were trying to work out their salvation with Jesus Christ. And in the process, they brought a lot of confusion. In the process, they brought a lot of alternate gospel. They brought a lot of rules and regulations. And they said, if you need to be saved, just believing in Jesus Christ is not enough. You need to be circumcised. And then they said, not just being circumcised, you also have to keep certain laws and practices and customs that we have been keeping from the days of Moses. And so they always would refer to the old ways of doing things. And as this confusion began to grow in the church, Ephesus, who was the first pastor of this church, he got so upset with what was happening in his church, in his mission field, that he actually goes to Rome where Paul was imprisoned. So he goes to Rome and meets Paul, and he begins to meet Paul and say, Paul, this is what is happening in my mission field. Now listen carefully. Colossian church was never planted by Paul. It was planted by one of his spiritual sons. You know, and when this spiritual son had unanswered questions and chaos was happening in his ministry, he ran to his spiritual father. Let me take a pause for a minute from my message and talk to you about, do you have someone whom you can run to when you don't have answers? Ephesus had someone he could go to. It is important for us to have spiritual fathers and mothers in the house. Because if we don't have spiritual fathers and mothers in the house, we can actually be destroyed for the lack of knowledge. God has appointed people with different graces upon their life for different times so that they can help us mature in Jesus Christ. Do you know one thing? That God uses body for us to mature. No one is supposed to be an isolated Christian. There is no such thing as isolated Christian. If there is any isolation, it is only in grave. Hello? Isolation is for dead bodies. Those who are living, they engage. One of the signs that you are healthy and you are living is you engage with the body. You meet. You don't allow offenses or differences or pains or sorrow or your thoughts or your unmet expectation to hinder you from gathering together as a body. And if you have allowed it to happen, let me guarantee you, today is the last day for it. Because from now on, you will know the truth and this truth is going to set you free. <laughs> your life will never be the same again. <laughs> My friends, I want to tell you one thing. You know, sometimes we have allowed our problems to speak louder to us than the Word of God. Sometimes we have allowed our failures to talk to us louder than what the Father has been speaking to us. Sometimes we have allowed the opinion of other people to talk to us about who we really are rather than hearing from who the Father says, I am. 
And because we have allowed and paid attention to our feelings and our thoughts and our circumstances and public opinion, there is no one more messed up than the church. You know why? Because ah, we are always looking for how can you make me happy? How can you say something that is going to build me? How can you do something that is going to... We are always looking for external help where the real help is sitting inside you. Don't you know that Jesus is the hope of glory who is in you? The Bible says something very beautiful. It says Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ on the throne of God is not the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And the saddest part is, rather than allowing to live that life from inside out, we only wait to be validated by external things around us. And so many people have wasted their time, their talent, their life, their dreams, their efforts, just because there is not enough validation from around. My friend, I want you to tell you something that you don't need validation from outside. If God said, I'm knocking at your door and I want to come in, is that a less of a validation that the King of Kings wants to stay in you? No Old Testament prophet had this privilege which you have. We sing kingdom come. But do you know what is kingdom? Jesus said the least in the kingdom is mightier than everyone in the Old Testament. Jesus is talking about a whole new lifestyle. He's talking about heaven on earth unleashed through you. And yet we continue to look forward for validation from people, from validation from anointed men and women in God. And if they don't give us right treatment, if they don't speak right words to us, or if they don't even look at us, or if they ignore us, oh, our days are ruined. Why? Because we have been living a superficial life. A Christian life is not about what others treat to me. A Christian life is about how I can bless them. Yeah. You know, I hear these people say, oh brother, you know, I go to that church, but I don't get anything. Church is never about getting anything. Church is about giving something. That's right. That's right. right? Amen. Preach it, my brother. <laughs> but until I discover this truth, that God did not save me to be a selfish person who can continue to gather things. You know, um, I'm not getting that word. I need your help too. Do, do you know, um, one second, I have to talk to my wife about it. <laughs> yeah, shovel, shovel, right. You have to forgive. English is not my first language. Do you know, I come from a nation called India. The only nation in the world, the only nation in the world who use shovel differently. You know how we use shovel? We will have a rod, a shovel. We'll, we'll put it like this and pull it ourselves. Put it near us. Rest every nation I've been, I've seen they put shovel and they throw outside. Only in my nation, even the garbage come near me. <laughs> Sometimes we as Christians, we live like that. We allow the problems of the world to become our problem. We allow hurts to become our hurts. 
We allow opinion to define who we are. And so anything that the world is throwing at us, anything that another believer is throwing at us, anything that devil is throwing at us, we are just embracing it. And it's defining our life. My friend, this evening I want to encourage you. Jesus in you is the hope of glory. Hallelujah. So let me go back to my message. When Epaphras found a problem, he had Paul to run to. Praise God for spiritual fathers and mothers whom we can go and confide in. Whom we can go and, you know, open up our weaknesses. Whom we can go and cry our tears. Whom we can go and say, I am afraid of what is happening in my life. Whom we can go and be us without having a fear of rejection. We don't have to impress our spiritual fathers and mothers. They are in love with us anyways. A father who does not know how to change diapers is yet to be a father. <laughs> Truly. You know, when my sons were born, I had to learn to change diapers for them. And learn to do it joyfully. And learn to do it and knowing and not to be embarrassed of them. And clean them up and, to, and celebrate them. Only the fathers can celebrate children in their worst times of their life. My friend, I want to encourage you today. And my prayer is that upper room will be flooded with such fathers. It's a place where you come knowing I belong. You don't have to come to impress someone. When you come to upper room church, no, you are coming to a family where you belong. When you come to this church, don't have an hesitation. No, I am going to my people. I am going to my people. And it's okay to let them know what mess my life is in. Because if hope comes, it only comes when we allow it to come in. You know, people can be so much in their pain that they can stop every door of hope to open for their life. And it's by their choice. So this kind of confusion was happening in Colossians where people were thinking that whether they are born again or no, whether, you know, they need to be circumcised or no, whether they have to keep this ritual or that ritual or no, whether they have to do this festival or that festival, there was so much of confusion. And when they came to Paul, Paul was in Rome and yet Timothy was with him. So Paul and Timothy wrote a letter. And that's the letter that we have in Colossians. I want to encourage every one of you to take time and read this because this is the letter that defines the supremacy of Jesus Christ above everything else. This is the letter that, de that declares that Christ is enough. I, if I have Jesus, I have enough. I don't need anything else. So when Paul wrote this, I want to draw your attention to verse number 9. And we are going to read from Passion Translation. Colossians chapter 1 verse number 9. It's very important to understand what Paul began to write. So if you can put it on screen. Thank you very much. This is what Paul and Timothy are saying. They are saying, since we first heard about you, we have kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your life, making you reservoir of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. Keep this verse on the screen. 
My friend, what makes you reservoir of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding? What makes you reservoir? The answer is when you have the knowledge of God's pleasure over your life. When you read this verse in any other translation, say for example, New King James Version, or you read in KJV, you, you will discover something that the words are differently used here. Those other translations says that we always pray for you that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's will. They don't say God's pleasure. Those translations say God's will. So when we read God's will, we often are tempted to think in one direction. And we say, okay, what is God's will for my name? That means, what does God want me to do? Every time when you go to a prophet or you go to a pastor or you go to a spiritual father, you say, pray for me. I want to know what God wants me to do. What are you really saying is, I want, I, what is the will of God you're asking? You're really saying, I want to know what God wants me to do. You know, the Greek word which is used there is Talima. And the meaning of word Talima is desire and pleasure. So what is Paul really saying? Paul is saying that you be filled with the knowledge of how God desires for you and how he takes pleasure in you. He's not saying about that what God wants you to do. He's saying what God thinks about you. Knowing his will does not mean what God wants me to do. It means what God feels and thinks about me. That's what he's saying. So before anything else changes in my life, first thing I need to understand being born again, child of God, what God thinks about me and what God feels about me. Do you know one thing? The day what you think and you feel is brought in confrontation with what God thinks and God feels, your life will radically change. Wow. Do you know the problem most of the people are living under is they are living under the shadow of their own thinking and their own deeds. We think, our thinking is formed by our cultures. Our thinking is formed by our upbringing. Our thinking is formed by our experience. Our thinking is formed by our education. And these are the earthly things that shapes your thinking, that shapes your worldview. But do you know, God's thinking is not subjected to his experience. I would think good about Kevin if Kevin is good to me and my experience with Kevin is good. But if my experience with Kevin is bad, I may not think good about Kevin. Why? Because my thinking is the result of my experience with Kevin. But do you know, with God, it is not about experience. Hello? Before the foundations of the world, even before you were born and do, could do something, you were not even in experience. Even before the experience was born, God had planned for you. Do you know something that God's thinking and feelings don't change on your misconduct? I want to show you a proof. We'll come back to here. But can you read me 2 Timothy 2.13? The letter that Timothy wrote, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, it is 2nd, 
letter to Timothy. To Timothy. What does it say? Can we all read together? One, two, three, go. Huh? <laughs> what? Either this verse is true or you're believing lie. Hello? Either God needs counseling or you need counseling. Somebody needs counseling. <laughs> you know, this verse tells me my faithfulness, my unfaithfulness doesn't fizzle God's love. You may be thinking, oh man, I'm not good enough. God says, who told you? Adam said, I was hiding. I am naked. God said, who told you? Even before you were born, I saw your nakedness. And today suddenly you are telling me I am naked, so I am not coming before you. Man, do you know, in Christian life there is no hiding. And we as Christians need to understand one thing. Father who loved me before the foundations of the world is not going to change his thought on me just because I reacted in a certain way. Your and my sin has capacity to harden our heart. Your and my sin cannot alter the heart of Father. It was my sin that he grieved over. The Bible says, when I was yet in sin, God demonstrated his love. Christ died for me. When, when I was yet in sin. See what Bible says. Come with me in Colossians chapter 1. He says that you might know in verse number 9. He says that you might know the pleasure of God upon your life. Do you know God takes pleasure upon every one of your life? God delights in you. God takes pleasure in you. And when you look into the Bible, you know in Isaiah chapter 62 verse 3 to 5, the Bible says God calls us my delight is in her. God looked at the Israel nation and said, my delight is in her. God looks at the children of God and says, my delight is in them. Do you know heaven doesn't delight him? Let me tell you, let me show you a prophetic picture once Lord showed me. There was a time back in the eternity. Let me call it left side of the eternity. So <laughs> on the left side of the eternity, God was on his throne because God was always on his throne. So God was there. Angels were there. Worship was going on in heaven. Everything was happening great. Nobody has ever seen God do anything. He was just on his throne. Nobody saw anybody. He do anything. One day, this God got up from his throne. And when he got up from his throne, they begin to see him. What? Where is he going? He comes to the planet Earth. They say, what? What is he doing on the planet Earth? 
And something amazing happens. Nobody has ever seen this God bow down. He bows down to the mud. And everybody sees God Almighty on his knees. Angels are confused. Everybody is confused. And what he does, he starts making something out of mud. Nobody has seen God on his knees. No power can bring him on his knees. But do you know the day you were being formed, he came on his knees. That's a demonstration that son, my power, I am letting go for you. My status, I am letting go for you. My beginning was glorious. The hands of Almighty touched me. When he wanted to create sun, stars and everything else, he just spoke and it happened. When he wanted to create trees, he spoke and it happened. But he when he wanted to create you and I, he didn't just say, human beings come up. He could have said, and it would have happened. But he didn't do that. He got involved. And it tells me the most holy one made his hands dirty on the day when he created me. Do you think your dirt fizzles him out? He started from there. Don't think your dirt is so big that he cannot handle. No matter where you have been in life, no matter how messy you have been, no matter what you have been, come to Jesus because he is the one who loves you. He is the one who found you. He is the one who is not ashamed of you and is willing to change everything about you. That's the beauty of Jesus. You know, one day Jeremiah was weeping over Israel, that Israel is so rebellious. Oh, there is no hope for Israel. And Jeremiah was just wailing, 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 wailing. Finally, God got so upset with his wailing. God said, Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. I will talk to you there. So God told Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. In Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number 1, Bible says, So when God told me to do this, Jeremiah went to the potter's house. And behold, what Jeremiah saw, Jeremiah saw there was a wheel. On which the potter was working. And when he was working on the wheel. He put some clay on it. And he was trying to make a vessel. And the Bible says that Jeremiah closely saw. That when he was trying to make a vessel. The vessel would not happen. It would get corrupted. It would fall apart. It would fall apart. It won't come the way the potter wanted it to come. So you know what? Potter did not throw that clay. The Bible says the potter took the same clay and made another beautiful vessel out of it. And then God spoke to Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, have you seen what that potter has done to the clay? He did not throw the clay. He made another one from that same clay which was hard, which wasn't cooperating, which wasn't working. And then God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, if that potter can do that to clay, can I not do that with my people? Sometimes when God is wanting to build our life because of our stubbornness, he's not able to build the way he desires to build. But just because I'm not cooperating, he doesn't change my plan. He doesn't change me. He doesn't delete me out of plan. He comes up with another plan and he makes sure that he will make me and build me as a beautiful vessel of honor. Because he's not going to give up on you. My friend, when Colossian church got so confused, Paul began to tell them in writing, he said that you might know the pleasure of God, that God delights in you. How many of you know Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 where God says, For I know the plans I have for you. 
You know the word there is not I know the plan I have for you. The word there is I know the plans. It is plural. That means if I mess up one plan, he'll come up with another one. If I mess up with another one, he'll come up with another one. Because he's in no shortage of plans. Hello? Hello? If this church offend me and I walk out of this church, God will bring another church to help me. If I walk out of that church, God will bring another church to help me. If I walk out of this leader, God will bring another leader to help me. Hello? But he will not reject you. We just read that even if I become disloyal, he will remain faithful. That's his character. He cannot say lie to about himself. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says, I have thoughts, good thoughts about you to prosper you. I don't have evil thoughts about you. You know that word evil there in Hebrew language is the word used there is raw. You know, when you, when you look into that Hebrew word raw, he is mentioning it about uh, Egyptian God. You know, Israel came out of Egyptian bondage, right? They understood about, about Egyptian gods. One of the gods that Egyptians worshipped was Ra. And Ra is a god who is a god of sun according to Egyptian mythology. And one of the things that they believe is this, that Ra is a good god during daytime. And he turns evil during nighttime. He's a God of blessing during daytime. And he's a God of curse during nighttime. So what is Paul saying? What is scripture saying in Jeremiah chapter 11 verse 29? He's saying, I have plans to prosper you. I am not like Ra who is good in the morning and bad in the evening. I am God who changed not. That's what James writes. And when he writes in first chapters, verse 17, he says that our God, all good gifts come from the Father of lights, with whom there is no turning of shadow. In our times, we have digital clock. In the olden days, they used sundial. So as the sun moved its position, the shadows moved its position. And they would know the time. So what is God saying? You know, I am not like that God, like that sun, which is going to change its position and the shadow would change in your life. No, with God, there is no changing of shadow. That's how committed he is for you. He's saying from everlasting to everlasting, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Isn't it beautiful to know that Jesus whom we serve is not going to change his mind on my life and your life. When I look into the Bible, in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 21 and 22, it's so amazing. Can I have it on screen, please? Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22 from Passion Translation. You know, this word, if you understand tonight, it will set you free. It will set you. Because much of the problems that you suffer today are not from demon. They are from you yourself. Do you know one thing? Jesus defeated Satan. He did not defeat you. Hello? He did not, he did not defeat you. He defeated Satan. Yeah? Satan is not our problem. I am my problem. Earlier, Lord told me something beautiful. You know what? One day, Holy Spirit said to me, Joshua... Now you are a born again child. Stop believing everything you think. And stop believing everything you feel. 
just look to someone around you and say, stop believing everything you think. Not every thought that comes to your mind is godly. Stop believing everything you feel. Our problem is, our problem is, we give way too much weightage to what we think or what we feel. But as a born again child of God, you and I need to know that when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I lost the right to how I think and how I feel. Because I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That simply means that he is the Lord of my life. That means what I think doesn't matter, what he thinks matters. What I feel don't matter, what he feels matter. And if you begin to live the life like this, you will have true freedom. Jesus never gave you independent life. Hello? You and I have misunderstood freedom from independence. Pastor Kevin is commissioning me, say that again. Yes, sir, I will. Freedom is not as same as independence. Independence is a curse. Freedom is a blessing. I'll prove it to you from the word. Everybody who went independent of the Lord was destroyed. Everyone who depended on the Lord had a great joy. Do you know what Jesus said to me? And to all of us in the scripture, he said, you know, give your yoke to me and take my yoke. He didn't say, give your yoke to me and walk free independent. He said, give your yoke to me and take my yoke upon you. That is not independence. That is dependence coming under his yoke. When I come under his yoke, true liberty is born there. When I come under his lordship, true freedom is born there. True freedom is not independent of the Lord. Oh, I'm in the independent America. God bless you. <laughs> you need to be dependent on Jesus. It's not about America. It's not about any nations of the world. It is about what Jesus said. If you know the truth, truth will set you free. So rather than running away from Jesus, come under his yoke. And you know what he said? My yoke is light and easy. That the lie of the enemy is, if you have to come under yoke, you have to be a certain way. But Jesus never said that. He never said, first do this, do this, do this, do this, then come under me. He simply said one thing, deny yourself and follow me. You know, coming under yoke means denying yourself. You know why? That's why I'm thinking, saying it's not what I think, it's not what I feel. It's about what he thinks, what he feels. You know, something bad happened in my wife and my life. And um, we took that thing so seriously in our life that we lost interest in going to church. And we lost interest in pastoring. 
and we lost interest in ministering and we just lost interest in everything and we were hopelessly miserable people now who did that to us they did it no they didn't do it you did it to yourself you did it to yourself why you chose that lifestyle you chose it to be like that if you had have just come to Jesus and delegated your problem to him and be under his yoke, you would be free. But rather than doing that, what we do, we held on to the thorns and the thistles that the world gives us. Hello. The Bible is very clear. Kingdom of God is not a dump yard for hurts. And the child of God is not a reservoir of pain and sorrow and hurt. We are the reservoir of wisdom of God. The world needs answers. Where will they get? In us. Through us. Why? Because when I put my trust in Jesus, I come under his yoke. This is what he does to me. When I look into the scripture, verse number 21 and 22, let's look at this. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadow of your evil thoughts and action. So what caused this distant? My thoughts and my actions. Why was Adam hiding? Did God tell him, Adam, don't come to me. You have eaten the fruit. Why was he hiding? His thought and his action made him shun from God. Sin has this ability to do, to keep us under the yoke of our thoughts and our actions. You know, every time you do something nonsense, we say, devil whispers, no, your mind whispers to you. I want you to know this. If we don't learn to stop listening to our mind and our heart, we will lose. We have to learn to bypass what our mind thinks. That's why Proverbs 3, 5 says, lean not to your understanding, but depend in God. Why? Because his thoughts are different than my thoughts. His ways are different than my ways. He is loving me. And his love has capacity to set me free. So what he says, even though you were once distanced from him, living in the shadow of your evil thoughts and action, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf. So that you would dwell in his presence. Wait a minute there. What is Bible saying? Bible is saying, when I was alienated from God, God chose to reconnect to me. In all of these things, you don't find we initiating anything to go to God. Everything God is doing. He reconnected to me. He shed his blood for me. He made me clean. He gave me supernatural peace. And he gave all of these things for one reason. What was that reason? It was not just to give you a good life. It was not just to take you out of hell. It was not just to take you out of sin. It was not just to take you out of curse and demonic operation. But it was to reconcile to him so that you may dwell in his presence. My friends, I want to encourage you today. Presence of God is our right. 
Jesus did not. See, this verse says that Jesus became my sin payment. Why? So that I may dwell in the presence of God. The gospel has two parts to it. One part, he redeems me from darkness. Another part, he connects me to the light. You understanding? One part, he, he, res he rescues me from all the problems. Sin, witchcraft, enemy, everything from hell. He rescues me. Another part, he makes me one with Father. And our problem is many a times, we just let it do the half work and we don't go to the next half. What Paul is saying to the Colossian church is, hey listen, that blood sacrifice that Jesus made is enough for you to qualify you to dwell in the presence of God. So that wherever you are in your life, you're not deprived of the presence of God. God who is the creator, he is saying, I will always abide with you. Think about the creator of heaven and earth delights to abide in you. And he's saying, I want to abide in you. I want to stay in you. I want to stay with you. I remember that time when God first told Moses, Moses, I want to dwell with my people. So they made a tent according to the blueprint that God showed to Moses. And the cloud would come there. And they were very happy that God is in our midst. But God was not satisfied. God didn't want it to be in their camp. God wanted to be in them. So from there, they moved. David said, I want to build a temple for you. Why? Because I want you in our midst. And God didn't want it to be in their midst. God wanted to be in them. So he said, why are you building me a house? I never asked you to build me a house. Why? Because God's idea of house was you. God's idea of house was not the building, was not the tabernacle. His idea was you. The only place that God could rest and find comfort was you. So in the new covenant you find, don't you know that your body is the temple of Holy Spirit and the Spirit of the Lord lives in you. As a church, my friend, if we don't really know this, we will make our body a house of depression. We'll make our body a house of sickness. We'll make our body a house of any insult, any fear, anything which is not from the Lord. This house need to host Jesus. That is the desire that the Lord has. So what does the Bible say? That he would dwell in his, that, that we would dwell in his presence and now there is nothing. Next verse. Now there is nothing between you and Father God for he sees you as holy, flawless and restored. But it is difficult for you to see yourself holy, flawless, and restored. Why? Because you live under the shadow of your thoughts and your thinking, your works. Oh, pastor, you don't know. This morning somebody cut through my car and I just lost it. I am not restored. I'm not like Christ. Why? I, I, I just lost it. Just because you've lost it doesn't change anything about you. Hello? So pastor, does that mean I can continue to be anything and do anything and there is no problem with sin? Listen carefully. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you abide in the presence of God and if you see yourself the way God sees you, your appetite for sin will be lost forever. 
you will never be able to enjoy sin. You will never be able to delight in sin. Why? Because now you are one with Father. Those who just take the gospel that he took me out of hell will go back because they have not become one with him. But when you become one with him, there is no going back. Hello? Have you ever thought that in the Old Testament, people ran for blessing, right? Everywhere in the scripture, it is like blessing, 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 blessing word. In the New Testament, you don't find that word. It's only found in book of Revelation. Blessed are those who read the prophecies of this book. You know why? Because it's been replaced by the grace of God. You look into the scripture and you will discover something amazing in the New Testament. All the blessings are already ours. You say, Pastor, bless me. You already have it. What do I bless you? Access what you have. How do you access? By faith in Jesus Christ. You, you know when you come and say, Pastor, I want your blessing. Just pray. You know what you're really saying? I have lost the key to my own anointing. I want you to unleash me. The simple aspect is this. Your key is your faith in Jesus Christ. Your key is your faith in Jesus Christ. Your father looks at you. Even now when father looks at you, he looks at you holy. He looks at you flawless. He looks at you restored. Why? Why is God looking at me like that? The answer is the blood of Jesus cancels everything that I have ever done. Isn't it the Bible says that he blotted out all the handwriting that was contradictory to me? My friend, Church is not a place where God is somehow trying his best that one day they will become best. No, the day God created you, he did a complete work in you. Now all you got to do is believe the way Jesus believes and live the way Jesus lives. Because if you believe what he believes, you will live the way he lives. One last verse I will show you and then we're going to pray. You know, it's again in Colossians. In fact, last two verses I'll show you. Verse number 13 and 14, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 13. He will rescue me or he has rescued me. Huh? How many of you understand what has means? He has. It is done. Do you believe that? It is done? Okay, then what it says, He has res rescued me a little bit. <laughs> completely. If God, you have rescued me completely, why am I still battling that sin habit? If you have rescued me completely, why am I still in that addiction? If you have rescued me completely, why am I still suffering this sickness? If you have rescued me completely, why am I in the same condition that I used to be before knowing you? The answer is, my son, because you are still choosing to live under the shadow of your evil thoughts and your evil actions. If you can just let go of that and come into the, the yoke of Jesus, you'll be free. Because it is not something that God will do for you. He has already done it for you. You just have to access it by faith and receive it. When you become one with Jesus, his life flows in you and through you. 
My friend, I want to encourage you. The Bible says, from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. Do you know, in the kingdom realm of his beloved son, there is no sickness. In the kingdom realm of his beloved son, there is no place for darkness. In him was light and no darkness. We have been translated into that lifestyle that we can look into, into our life and say, in me is light and no darkness. Oh, blasphemy. <laughs> Why? Living under the shadow of my own thought, my own action. I can never be good as God is. But living under the shadow of his thought, I call you holy. I call you flawless. I call you restored. Today, I have laid this choice before you. Do you want to live under your own shadow of your wicked thoughts and your actions? Because they will always strip you away from the presence of God. But if today you say, Lord, I'm no longer choosing to believe what I think, what I do. I'm choosing to believe what Jesus has done. You will abide in his presence. Do you know one thing? When God relates to you, He doesn't relate to you in your flesh. He relates to you in your spirit. Because God is spirit. And from that spirit will flow the eternal life. From that spirit, you know, I, 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 I grew up thinking someone as the best chapter that righteous is, a, is someone who is planted by the living waters. Like planted beside many waters. You know the Bible talks about in Colossians chapter 3 he says we are planted in him. We are not planted beside many waters. We are planted in the one who created many waters. Wow. There is so much more to Christ in you. But what we have done is we have chosen to stay focused under the shadow of our works and our deeds. We constantly remind ourselves of what failures we have gone through, where we fail to keep. And we put these standards before us. I will read so much chapters in the Bible. I'll pray for so many hours. And every time we fail, we say, oh man, I am not there. But God is not looking at that. When there is a time of offering, and if I don't give, I say, no, no, I don't want to give, and I don't want to give. And so I keep it in myself. Now my mind says, man, you're stingy. You're not even a Christian now. But you're living under the shadow of your own thoughts. God doesn't call you that. He calls for, for the things that are not as if they are. And so when God calls you holy, guess what? He means it. When God calls you pure, He means it. When He calls you restored, He means it. This evening, before I close my message, I want to ask you, would you close your eyes for a minute and really think about, have you been living under the shadow of your evil thoughts and actions while God has something greater for you where God is inviting you to say, come to my fold that I no longer live. You know, Jews live under the law. Gentiles, they live under their consciousness. We the redeemed of the live redeemed of the Lord, we live in Jesus Christ. Our life in Christ is different. There is an invitation tonight to everyone who wants to say yes to Jesus. Lord, here I am. 
I want to let go of living under the shadow of my own thought and deeds, and I want to be free to live under the shadow of your thinking. Everyone who wants to make that exchange, may I humbly request you to stand up on your place as we are going to end up in prayer. Don't worry about who stands up, who doesn't stand up. It's a personal choice. You know deep down in your heart that you have your daily life with Christ. You have been wrestling with things in your life. You know deep down in your heart that you have been wrestling with that pain, with that sorrow, with that failure, with that impurity, with that addiction. You know that. And you have been tired living that way. You have been trying. You have been coming to prayer sets. You have been trying. You have been coming to do all the things that other people are doing who are free. And yet you go back and when you are quiet, alone by yourself, your heart cries and you say, Lord, this is not working for me. I see other people testify, but deep down in my heart, my condition remains the same. My brother, my sister, let me tell you, when God looks at you, his arms are stretched forth and he said, I am not like Ra who is going to change my mind upon you. I have loved you with an everlasting love and tonight I want to make it tangible reality for you. Maybe your own never understood you. Maybe your own people gave you conditions that if you do this, this is what you get. But Jesus is here without condition. He's telling you, I have loved you anyways. He didn't took my permission. Should I die for you? He died anyways. Even before I could believe in him, he paid the full price for me. Hoping that I will take benefit of what he sacrificed. And tonight, there is an umbrella of God's love which is in this place. So I truly want to thank God for every individual who is standing in this place who is saying, God, here I am. I want to let go of my evil thoughts and evil works. I will no longer live under what my mind says and what I feel, but I will live under what your word says. Take this one minute and from deepest of your heart, talk to your father. Tell him that you want to come home with him. Tell him, Daddy, here I am. And in your arms of love, and in your arms of love, Holding me still, holding me near in your arms of love. Jesus, I thank you. Father, everyone who is calling on the name of Jesus this evening, whether they are standing or sitting, it doesn't matter, God. But if they are calling on the name of that Jesus who loved us beyond anything else, that they already have your attention, Daddy. And I pray in Jesus' name that that which Jesus came to give, give us be given to them right now. Every weight from their heart be stripped away in the name of Jesus.
And Father, by faith in the name of Jesus, I come against anything that has held them captive. If it is a memory from the past, Lord, by faith in the name of Jesus Christ, I say that their memory be erased tonight and never to be retrieved by faith in Jesus' name. Lord, I proclaim in the name of Jesus, freedom that comes from Jesus is theirs tonight. From youngest to the oldest, oh God, May the joy of the Lord be their portion tonight. Lord, let that divine exchange happen. As you take their yoke, may your yoke come upon them. In the name of Jesus. And tonight, Father, as a child of God, tonight, as a family of God, we want to welcome them into the house of the Lord. We want to welcome them into the family of the Most High God. And we want to tell them that no longer you are an orphan, you belong to the Most High God. Let's welcome them in the Father's house, in Jesus' name. Your sins are washed away in the Son, Jesus Christ. Every sin is cancelled. Let me tell you, the Bible declares in Colossians chapter 1 verse number 14, For in the Son all our sins are cancelled. Can you all repeat this after me? Everybody who is standing and everybody who is sitting, just say this, In the Son, Jesus Christ. Come on, say it as you mean it. Say, in the Son, Jesus Christ. All of my sin. My past sin. My present sin. And any sin in future. All of sin are canceled. Are canceled. And we have the release of redemption through his very blood. Hallelujah.